Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 474. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Oh, hi. Hello. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the uh, crime drama Boston Strangler, which is available on Hulu right now. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Uh, with that said, I think we can just get get straight in. This is written and directed by Matt Ruskin, and I have a synopsis here. Loretta McLaughlin was a reporter who first connected the murders and broke the story of the Boston Strangler. She and Jean Cole challenged the sexism of the early 1960s to report on the city's most notorious serial killer. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of Boston Strangler? What do you think they were? I, I'm, I, they gotta be close to, <laughs> to me. There's no way that you watched this movie and were enthralled from beginning to end. There's just no way. There's no way. We know each other too well. Yeah. Too well. We've been friends for far too long. <laughs> well, come on. I, I I have a hard time believing that a lot of people were like, yeah, this movie's where it's at. This movie is firing on all cylinders, boy. I, I was looking up this Matt Ruskin character because I'm like, who who directed this? It's not it's it's not directed very well at all. And so I was like, well, who 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 did it? And uh, yeah, this so so Matt Ruskin he did he previously did Crown Heights, which I didn't see. But yeah, he doesn't have a a very large filmography. The thing is, when you're presenting a a movie like this, that is ripped from the headlines, you know, it's this is based on a true story. Uh, you don't want to deviate too much from the actual events. And the way that you can deal with a fairly uh, boring story, frankly, is by presenting interesting, captivating characters and uh, bolstering that with captivating interesting visuals good music good cinematography etc where this movie fails is on all of those levels it is a dreadfully boring story it doesn't do much with the characters i think that kira knightley and carrie coon's characters are i think that these people in real life were probably very interesting people but I feel like that they're both of them were so underwritten in this, especially Carrie Coon's character who, you know, you at first you think that she's going to be like a main character, but she's like sidelined the whole time. And like, you don't really, there's no depth to these, to either, either one of them. And, uh, on the visual side of things, this is like the most bland, boring thing ever. So for me, this was like a complete failure. One hundred percent. This is uh like a. It's visually, it's it's exactly what I expected it to be. It is incredibly drab. 
everything is grayscale. You know, you're doing this um, true crime, you know, by the book type thing. So there's no there's no visual flair whatsoever. Yeah, I mean they're going they're going I'm for not like the expecting anything. Yeah, they're going for that like zodiac color palette. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like if you mixed zodiac with, and this is what I thought going into it. I I felt like a this is going to be a zodiac ripoff, right? B instead of being a straight like Zodiac ripoff, they're going to try and like meld it with Spotlight. And that's kind of what a it little felt bit. like. Yeah. But the main criticism, you know, and the main criticism for me, I mean, outside of that, because of course that plays into it, the grayscale, there's no visuals whatsoever. It's just a very by the book, like chronological order type deal going through. But it just, it just kept fucking going. Yeah. It just went and went and went. Yeah, I mean, I would be very impressed if this was able to hold the attention of most audiences for an hour and 52 minutes cuz I mean That's it, all it, was. It, it totally lost me. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean it it feels very long. Cuz I swear to god at one point I thought I had been watching it for like 2 hours. It did. I checked the time, and I still had 20 minutes left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand. Yeah, this one feels like a made-for-TV movie to me, like an old-school made-for-TV movie back when, like, made-for-TV movies were not very good. Like, that's what this feels like to me. Yeah, where... but it's, it's, it's insane, right, though? Because, like, it has that feel, but this cast that you have... Oh, yeah. Great and cast. And you can tell in the production design that they spent money. Oh, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the the production design, Which you know, the, the 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 costuming, the old offices and cars and everything, like it feels very authentically, you know, mid '60s. But uh, yeah, it um, oh boy, just not a lot going on here, man. Just there's like really nothing going on. I didn't really know the Boston Strangler story like too much so maybe if i had known it i wouldn't i just wouldn't have watched this but i i don't know like they managed to make a serial killer thriller movie that is based on a true story they somehow made it very dull which i feel like is kind of hard given the source material yeah and i also have this I don't know if this is a part of me that, or one of the reasons that I checked out, you know, partly into this movie. A, I was I was mildly interested because I really don't know much about the Boston Strangler. So, well, that that should play in its favor. I really don't know anything, so I'm interested to learn. But the thing that didn't work for me, or I guess is like a personal thing. And this is born out of, I've listened to a couple, or tried to listen to, like, a couple of true crime podcasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of it just feels wrong to me. Like, people just, like, shooting the shit about, like, serial killers and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like, I think I just don't like it. Any well, art about, like, real life serial killers. I'm just like, ah, it just rubs me the wrong way. Well, the funny thing is that they actually 
they sort of touched on that in the movie when the guy who confessed to being the Boston Strangler, like, you know, cut this big deal, like book deal and stuff like that, which didn't that like somebody, I, I don't remember who, but there was some big criminal where that happened and they like passed a law that prevented people from yeah. profiting off their crimes. Yeah, like I forget who it was exactly. It was somebody but... big. It was like a big profile, like person. I don't know if it was Manson or when. When did Man- Yeah, it might have been Manson. The only interesting aspect about this movie, which is just inherently in there because of the circumstances, is a, there's a movie I'll talk about later on in the watch list portion that me and my wife watched, and she was kind of talking about you know, this um, this overwhelming sense that women have of being, like, kind of afraid to be at home. And she was kind of thinking, like, where does that come from? And obviously, I, th- I kind of pointed out, I was like, well, it seems like a lot of women got killed, like, during the 60s and the 70s. Like, every serial killer just killed, like, women that were alone constantly, all the time. So that was, like, the only thing that, like, of course, I'm watching this movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is kind of where it comes from. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's important to remember that it, that things weren't always like that. You know, like people left their doors unlocked at night, and like hitchhiking was like a normal thing. Everybody would hitchhike everywhere, and it wasn't until yeah. the um, yeah, because it was so easy to just be like, "Hey, I'm here to take a look at that uh, water leak you have," or "Hey, I'm here to look at your radiator." Yeah, and then just murder, murder. It always, always murder, which they kind of touch on at the end where it's like, you know, your Albert DeSavos have been men kill women. They have been and they will. Yep. But man, I mean, like you said, this is just, I don't, you know, at the end of this, at the end of watching them, just like, did, did we need the time and resources <laughs> for this to, to come to this, you know, like this is the end product. We've just wasted a ton of time and money and resources, just so much for nothing. Yeah, it was just, it was, uh, I was looking forward to, you know, a, a solid procedural type. And and I, I, I do like movies like Spotlight where, you know, I like journalist movies, investigative journalism type movies, but Man, this one was just such a slog, which is a real shame because, like, like we talked about before, it has a really solid cast. I like Keira Knightley, Carrie Coon, Chris Cooper's in there, and David Dismalchian, who, you know, was good in in the the really small amount that he had to work with. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Also, like you said, like. Because at a certain point, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess they're just, we're going to do more of a focus on the journalists. But like you said, they're so underwritten. They're just, they're very surface level representations of real people. Yeah, I mean, you're not even doing that portion of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like your standard, exactly what you would expect. You know, it's it's the, the 60s misogyny and, you know, the husband's. The, the husband being like, you're, you're, you're working too much. You need to be at home with the kids. 
or whatever. And there's just not a lot of an exploration into who these women are aside from women who are doing something that was not typically done by women at the time. Like they're more than that. Like, I think that it's important to recognize that. Sure. But they, they were people too. And I think that the movie just didn't do a great job of exploring who these people were. Just a waste, a waste of my goddamn time. Yeah, let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, Kevin, what are you going to give Boston Strangler? Boston Strangler. It's going to get like a uh, a two. Yeah, this gets a two for me also. I was I was thinking like maybe maybe like two and a half. I'll, I'll say two and a half because I was originally sitting at a three, but then our conversation as we were talking, it started <laughs> dropping. <laughs> the first thing I thought of, and I thought of this, you know, like an hour into the seven hours that this movie is one hour into it. I'm just like, wow, podcast. We're going to have absolutely nothing to talk about. I know. I thought about that too. I was like, well, this is one of these episodes where we don't have anything to say about this movie because it's just so boring and vanilla. Yeah, it's just, it's dull. It's just insanely dull. Just just read about it on the internet. You'll have more enjoyment yeah, just look, on the internet. Yeah, just look up the Boston Strangler Wikipedia and there you go. Done. I'm sure there's a couple articles. They read like the actual articles that these. Oh yeah, that, I'm sure that, that. you can find those easily. Read read the actual articles. Those are probably way more fascinating than than this movie. Yeah, and I mean you're not beholden to keeping your eyes peeled to a screen. You can pop it on your phone, step outside, smoke a cigarette. Yeah, there you go. See, you, know, you can do whatever you want. All right, let's move on. Talk about some of what I've been watching. Uh, Kevin, it is your turn this week. What you got? What you got for me? Oh, I got another, like, kind of like nature documentary. Somewhat. Um, All That Breathes. Shonak Sen. This is a, I think this was up for an Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're, you are correct, sir. Uh, this is about two brothers in New Delhi, India, that uh, they like their whole lives are devoted to saving kites, the bird mm-hmm. kites, black kite, which apparently are just fucking everywhere in India. There's a lot of scenes of just tons of kites flying around, screaming. They're like uh, they're like hawks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is quite good. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's just two two guys just spending all their time, all their resources, everything to just save birds just because they want to. They've just decided that they need to save birds. So they started saving birds in this like little, you know, within their apartment, like in their like their garage area type, whatever it is. And they just that's all they do all day. It seems it's just people keep bringing them birds mostly kites but also owls all sorts of birds and that's that's all they do and it's just kind of them doing that against the backdrop of like rising violence 
within India, uh, pollution, all sorts of stuff going on. And it's just them save birds. That's it. And yeah. it's just be- beautifully shot. Yeah, this movie seems very wholesome. It's 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 pretty it's pretty good. Cool. Uh, that's all that breathes. Uh, I saw Cocaine Bear. There you go. There's a nature. <laughs> that's a day. It's a it's, a, it's sort a of nature doc. Sort of a nature doc, right? Uh, so this is directed by Elizabeth Banks. The movie itself, I thought, was fine. Uh, th- there were some pretty funny moments to it. You know, it's 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 pretty much exactly what you would expect with with that title. It's it's about a bear. So there's there's a a, a bit of a snafu with some some drugs where a whole bunch of cocaine gets dropped into the into the forest from a plane and this uh this black bear gets a hold of the cocaine and um she gets hooked she gets hooked on the cocaine and mm-hmm. has an insatiable hunger for the for the cocaine and uh it's about a bunch of people who um are just trying to get out of there just trying to get out of there and avoid getting killed by the cocaine bear it's got mm-hmm. um, there's a little bit of a, some tremors vibes that I was getting from this, and I mean certainly it's not on the same level as tremors, but the the thing that that this has the tremors doesn't is like really over the top gore, which I thought which was done pretty well, like it was pretty funny. Overall, I enjoyed it. I don't think. <sighs> I think Elizabeth Banks needs to work on her directing. I don't think that this movie is very well directed at all. Um, it's definitely a bit rough around the edges, but it's still it's still fun. I would put it up there with like Piranha 3D, you know, like kind of one of those. Where it's not like we're not like in Sharknado territory or anything like that. So yeah. this this is more like Piranha 3D or Anaconda, you know, one of those where it's like, it's funny, it's goofy, but it's still, it's still a horror movie at the end of the day, sort of. So, I don't know. I'd give it a light recommend. It was pretty entertaining. I would hope so. I mean, if your movie's called Cocaine Bear, at least it should be entertaining. Yeah. Right? Decent, decent uh, score. Mark Mothersbaugh does the score. And I believe, I don't know if this was the last role for Ray Liotta, but certainly one of the last. Hmm. And Margot Martindale was great in it. She was really funny. And Isaiah Whitlock Jr., it was hilarious. Good, really, really solid cast. Let's get the, I guess we'll keep the animal thing going. I saw EO. The, the donkey movie. This was also an Oscar contender. Indeed. Indeed it was. This is playing on uh, Criterion. So I was like, finally, I'm going to check out this donkey movie. And uh, this is sad as hell. This is just a really sad fucking movie. I I had a feeling that it was going to be really sad. So that that's why I kind of avoided it. Yeah. It's like... I don't know, like, I didn't really look up, like, reviews or anything for this movie. I just knew that people liked it, right? My wife wanted to see it as well. And she was telling me that people said that 
you know, it's kind of like life affirming and it's, it's a happy movie. It's a good movie. I was like, oh, well, that's good. Cause I was kind of thinking it would be sad. I just, I just have that for whatever really, whatever it is, my connection to donkeys is just like, oh, it's gotta be sad. If it's a movie about a donkey. Cause they're just like used really, you yeah. know? Yeah. They're, a t- they're like a tool really. Yeah. They're just like a, I don't know. And that's what it is. It's EO is in the circus and he has this routine that he does with this young woman where she dances and he, like, he's kind of a part of it. And she loves the hell out of EO. Just always caressing him and uh, hugging him, giving him kisses, just treating him incredibly well. And then a law is passed. Circuses has been banned. They can't, they're not allowed to use animals, right? So they confiscate all the animals. EO gets snatched up. And then the rest of the movie is him just going to, you know, he goes to a farm and then he goes somewhere else and then another farm and then to another. And it's kind of like his journey from there on out. And the thing about his journey is, is he's always fucking alone. And it's just sad. Mm. He's alone. At one point, he gets the shit beat out of him. Mm. And it just, it's just sad. It, but I will say that it's incredibly well shot. Like, there's certain sequences in this movie that you're just like, I was feeling it, where I was just, you know, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. There is this over-reliance on this, like, strobing red light effect, which the movie starts off with, that I could have I could have done without. Like, it was just a bit too much at times. I can't do the strobing thing. Mm. Just a heads up, you know? Especially yeah. with it being red, like, made it worse. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like it. Just just a heads up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's EO on the Criterion Channel. Let's see. I saw The Driver from 1978, directed by Walter Hill. Uh, this is right. this stars Ryan O'Neal as uh, he's a getaway driver. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he ends up so basically Bruce Dern is this cop who he's like a hot shot. He's kind of a piece of shit cop who is doing everything he can to bring down the driver. And he, 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 the only way he can figure out how to do it is by trying to hire, uh, other people who he knows are, are bank robbers to try to set up the driver. So he ends up, arresting this uh this bank robber and says hey look i'm gonna let you go if you set up a a job a new job and you hire this driver and then instead of and then when you tell him where you're you want to go like the drop-off point i'll be waiting there and i'll i'll arrest him but of course this guy's like a criminal he's not gonna do that so he agrees he's like yeah sure whatever but then he just hires the driver to rob the bank, but the drop-off point he gives completely wrong. So it's this, uh, it's it's kind of this cat and mouse game where Bruce Dern is trying to catch Ryan O'Neill any way he can, and that's that's pretty much it. Lots of car chases, as you might expect. Um, it's it's a pretty fun action-filled movie. Uh, a lot of people talk about how this 
this is basically the inspiration for uh for the movie drive and it 100 percent is like there's no denying that ryan gosling's character is based off of of this character like he's he doesn't have a name in this he's just he's just called the driver and he's very like he doesn't have like really any personality he just he's very stoic keeps to himself doesn't talk a lot um but there there are definitely some differences between the two movies but i think that you can very clearly see the inspiration in drive from from this movie uh but yeah it's awesome definitely recommend it especially if you like you know 70s crime movies definitely check it out it's just insane to me that as a police officer i gotta get the driver <laughs> yeah people actually robbing the banks like fuck i i'll i'll use them as pawns because i gotta get the driver the guy that's not hurting anyone <laughs> yeah exactly well i think it's it's the whole see like bruce dern is such an asshole in this movie he's got this like chip on his shoulder and it just it gets under his skin that this driver is involved in so many robberies and he keeps getting away like no matter what like this guy's never been caught and he's been involved in like countless heists or whatever. And just Bruce Dern just cannot stand it. Yeah. It's just, the, you know, that ego thing. Yeah. Which is interesting. They, I'm just like setting up numerous bank robberies to try and get the driver. Meanwhile, yeah. he never can. <laughs> just banks getting robbed left and right. And, and, and yeah, all because like, of him. And, and, and the, like, the setup, like they literally rob the bank and he lets it happen. Yeah. And one of the guys gets killed. One of the robbers gets killed during the robbery. And it's just like Bruce Stern's like, you know what? I don't even care. I just need the driver. <laughs> I just also like the idea of the bank robbers like not wanting to do this. He's just like, I need you to rob this fucking bank because I got to get the driver. And they're like, we really don't want to rob banks anymore. <laughs> We're kind of tired of doing this. Well, it is actually kind of a, a funny, it's like a funny storyline or piece where Ryan O'Neill's like, I'm not working with this guy. Like, cause he knows, he knows the guy who's, who's trying to, to do this job. And he's like, I'm not working with you. Like you're, you're, you're a hothead, you know, you're violent. You're, you're an asshole. I'm not dealing with you. And so like the guy keeps going back to Bruce Dern and he's just like, I don't know what to do. Like he's, he, he's refusing. He's refusing. I, I don't know how I can, you know, hire this guy. He keeps, he keeps saying, no, it doesn't matter. So like, that was like a whole thing too, which was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch this. Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's good. I mean, I know you don't like, you're not a huge fan of car chases and honestly, like, the car chases in this are really good for the time. I mean, lots of cars flipping and getting destroyed and stuff. There's a really awesome scene with Ryan O'Neill in a parking garage when they first hire him. And they're like, how do we know you're the best or whatever? And he's like, give me the keys. And he gets in the car that it's their car that, that they brought. And he just destroys it. He just drives around in the parking lot and just smashes into all the different walls that he, that he can. And the one scene, he just opens the door and then backs into a pillar and rips the door off. And he's like, <laughs> and I think he, and he goes like, you might want to take that in for a tune up before the job or something. And it's so funny. 
yeah it's it's awesome mm, love it <clears throat> uh the only other thing i watched is watcher okay movie, movie called watcher yeah i saw this clearly kuno uh this is the the movie that i kind of briefly touched upon during their boston strangler discussion this is, this is better than boston strangler i'll tell you that right now 100 percent 100 uh this is this is a slow burn and yes i could see i could see it being described as uh relatively boring because there's not a whole lot that's happening with this it's all kind of like leading towards that build-up and you know this is uh make monroe she moves to uh what is it romania with her husband he gets a new job in romania or gets a promotion she's there she feels completely isolated she doesn't really know the language she's alone during the day he's always at work and of course there's a guy across the like courtyard or whatever big windows in this apartment and he's always seeming to be watching her. Like, he's standing at his window just looking right at her. It's creeping around. Of course, there's also a serial killer on the loose in Romania. Because, of course, there is. And she just essentially figures that they're one and the same. They're the same person. And she starts being followed by this guy. And she gets really concerned. But of course, she's thinking maybe she's being paranoid. Her husband's kind of supportive at first, and then of course he kind of gets tired of it, and uh, it just all essentially culminates to this this end piece, which I thought was very effective. Mm-hmm. Yes, the journey there was a bit—I don't want to say lackluster, but it was just like uneventful. But man, the way that it ended—that ending only really worked with it being so uneventful beforehand. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, it was it made more of an impact. It's pretty shocking, and I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely recommend this. I was surprised by this. I didn't really have high hopes going into it, but I was surprised. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's uh, I, I would recommend it too. This is available a lot of places. It's on Hulu. It's on Shutter. Um, then you can rent it on other services too. Uh, again, that's Watcher from last year i saw uh southern comfort this is another walter hill one i don't know for whatever reason i was in a walter hill mood this week no uh so southern comfort is it came out in 1981 it's about a group of national guard troops and they're they're going for like a uh, a weekend uh training <laughs> exercise in, in the louisiana swamps but uh, it turns out that these guys are just like, they're the worst. They're the absolute worst. And so they got all the guns and stuff, right? They're all kitted out. They got the equipment. And they're essentially like these guys, like these sort of prepper militia type guys where they, they just want to they just want to shoot somebody. They just want to kill people and play play G.I. Joe, you know? And none of, they don't have real bullets, so they, they they have real guns, but they're loaded with blanks because it's going to all be part of this training exercise. Well, when they get down there, they find these canoes, and they're like, hey, let's just take these canoes. Like, we don't see anybody around. Let's just take the canoes, whatever. So they take these canoes, and 
Turns out uh, it's these Cajuns, these Cajuns who were, mm. it was their canoes and they start following these army guys or the, these National Guard guys rather. And one of the idiots starts like shooting at the Cajuns and they're blanks, but of course they don't know that. So the Cajuns then retaliate by sh- killing one of them. And then from that point forward, it just becomes this, you know, dangerous game of like the Cajuns start hunting these National Guard guys and killing them one by one, setting traps in the swamp. And uh, they are basically trying trying to get out alive. Uh, It's awesome. It's got Keith Carradine in it, Powers Booth, Fred Ward. It's it's kind of um, I think that it's that it all is sort of an allegory for the events of Vietnam. It takes place in 1973, um, so this is you know hot off the heels of of Vietnam, and I think that there's a lot of deliberate parallels that are drawn there. Um, but it's it's great, highly recommend it. Man, Good. Walter Hill is just. Such an underrated director, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he's not underrated at all. Maybe he gets the, the recognition that maybe he's, maybe people recognize him as a great director, but he's an eclectic director too, though. That's what I that's what I like. You know, he he almost his like filmography almost reminds me of like a like a John Carpenter where you know you look at you look at their filmography and there's just like really unique stuff going on well i'm glad to hear it because i've been wanting to see southern comfort for a long time yeah well it's it's awesome highly highly worth highly worth a worth a watch i'll mention one more uh and that's alien from la from 1988 uh directed by albert pion this this is one where it recently like a couple years ago i think or maybe even more recently than that. It, it got like this Blu-ray remaster and there was this kind of um, resurgence of, of popularity with this movie. This is one of these ones that was kind of forgotten, um, but then I don't know who released it. It was probably like Vinegar Syndrome or Arrow or one of those, one of those companies. Um, it gained a little bit of a cult status and so I've been meaning to watch it for a while. It stars Kathy Ireland. And uh, I did not enjoy this movie at all. Like, it's pretty bad, <laughs> man. Like, it seems kind of cool. But first of all, Kathy Ireland is so annoying in this that it ruins the whole movie. She has the most annoying voice. And they they, they comment on it. Like, she de- she's deliberately making her voice annoying. She's doing it on purpose because they comment on it multiple times in the movie. But I guess what they weren't really thinking about was the fact that the audience also had to hear her make this voice. And it's just so awful and grating. Um, but basically what, what this is, is like um, she plays this. She plays a high schooler from LA who uh, her father supposedly has died and he's like in, I think he's like in, in 
Africa or something like that. He's an archaeologist. And <clears throat> she goes to like find him and discovers that there's that he was trying to like dig a hole to the center of the earth. And she ends up falling through it and discovering that there's like a whole world down there. It's like a whole civilization. But the funny thing is, it's like sort of just like a dystopian, like almost like a, like a Mad Max type situation down there. And, you know, there's like different gangs and, and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, it's ridiculous. It's, I, it's goofy. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little tank girl esque too, since we were just talking about that last week. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't get into it. I liked some of the aspects of it, but man, it was just was too, it was a little bit too over the top for me. So I can't really recommend alien from LA. I guess if you're really into like cheesy eighties, like sci-fi comedies, then yeah. maybe check it out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't funny. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it is not. Fu- it is not funny at all. It's just annoying. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Uh, the big one here is John Wick Chapter Four. I'm pretty excited for this. Now I know I know that you're not a John Wick fan which is weird. Not that you're not a fan, but if I remember correctly, you haven't seen any of the John Wick movies. Is that I saw the first one and I thoroughly enjoyed oh, it. You saw the I, first just one. Never, I just never watched any of the other ones. And it's not that I don't want to. I just haven't. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I would argue that they get better and better. Actually, the, the sequels are just as good, if not better than the first one. So yeah, uh, it is, I think, quickly becoming one of the best action franchises ever. I mean, currently people are loving chapter four. I can't think of another franchise that has action franchise. That is that has had as much acclaim as the John wick series. So true. Yeah, it's, it's a great series. So yeah, I'm excited for, for this one. I'll probably go see this. Uh, all right, let's see what we have on VOD. Starting on the 21st, we have Children of the Corn. This is a remake or reboot, I guess, of uh, the the original one. I'll probably give this a look, even though I have like absolutely zero expectations for it. It's probably bad. But see, the thing is, like, I watched the entire Children of the Corn franchise like a couple years ago, a few years ago. I didn't like any of them, so I don't know why I'm I'm like slightly interested in this. I guess I like the idea, I like the concept of Children of the Corn, but I, the movies I feel like just never quite capitalized on the idea. We have Tomorrow's okay. Hope coming out. Uh, I think that might be a documentary. We got Wildflower. We have We Lost Our Human. That's going to be on Netflix. That's one of their interactive ones, I think. Like a a choose your own adventure type mm. it, okay. it's it's a cartoon it's for kids uh we have kubrick by kubrick it's a documentary uh on on the 23rd we have timescape 
Ooh. Wrong place, wrong time. That's a kids time movie. Escape. It looks it's a kids movie from the looks of it. Uh, we and then on the twenty fourth we have followers, which is a horror movie. We got Infinite Sea that's on Amazon Prime. We got uh, that's it. Looks like that's it. Wow. Yeah, that's all. That's all I see on here. There could there might be some more that I missed on Blu-ray this week. We got Megan coming out. Light recommend for Megan. We got Babylon, the Damien Chazelle one. That I heard not great things. I still haven't seen it uh, because I know that it's like super long and I just haven't been ready to dedicate that that time to it. I have no interest in that movie. And for the longest time, honestly, I thought it was like some sort of internet joke. I think that it's like it to me, it seems like it's one of those um, Southland tales slash what was the one? Um, the it follows guy did. Oh yeah, it's like one of those movies where it's like really grand and in, in scope and scale, but like is a huge bomb. Yeah, I just I like people talked about it, but I don't think anyone's ever actually seen. It. I don't think this movie is this <laughs> Babylon. I don't think it does. I think it might be on HBO Max. Get out of here! I think it is. Uh, Dragon Slayer from 1981. Uh, we have Dr. Giggles from 1992, the classic. Oh, hell yeah, Dr. Giggles. I, I'll i never forget the first time I saw Dr. Giggles. There's a scene where he's hiding in someone's body and cuts himself out of somebody's body. And it was like the craziest scene. That, sh- that movie's pretty wild. Uh, let's see. Crazy People from 1990. We got Critical Condition from 1987 starring Richard Pryor. Uh, um, Suzu Whit River from 2000. We got Final Exam from 1981. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It's an anime movie. That's a pretty good series, though, I gotta say. Not super into anime, but I liked that one. Um, that's pretty much it. What do we have on Criterion? Anything? We got one, and that's David Lynch. Yeah. 2006, Inland Empire. Yeah. I wasn't. Sorry. I was not into that one. I'm going to finally maybe watch this movie. I just couldn't get into it, man. I really tried to. It's so long and dry. I'm just I'm curious because it's a you know it's a 4K restoration, you know HD. Well, I mean the movie the thing, isn't the whole thing. This movie shot on like, yeah, video. it's super you ugly. Know? Like the movie, yeah. it's like shot on digital, and it's just so awful looking. <laughs> I saw. I mean, like what what does that what does that translate to in 4K? You know, I don't know, and why? <laughs> why do that? Yeah, I mean, because that's the interesting thing is like with film, when a, when a movie is shot on film, you can easily translate it to 4K, you know? But if it's shot on digital, like, that's the best you're going to get, you know? Like, you can try to clean it up, but it's not, it's, you're not going to get it as good, good as with a film. 
Well, and I also, I just feel like that you don't want to clean it up. Like, that's probably what he was going for. Uh, I don't know about that. When you see it, I think you'll be like, eh, I don't, I don't know if it was an aesthetic choice. I think it was more of like a, a cost thing, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did want to do it, but it was a bad choice either way because it looks horrible. Um, all right, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a moment, take a minute to review us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.